If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Episode 171, Brothers. Wait, wait, stop the music. Stop the music. We have worked up a theme song for today's show. John? Meet Data, who's been most everywhere, from Angel One to the Big Bork Square. And Laura likes to kill people. But they're androids, <laughs> identical androids all the way. One pair of matching bookends, as different as night and day. Two, three. While Data enjoys the violin, going out or staying in. Laura likes to kill people. Still, they're androids. Identical androids, and you'll find... Lore's the one who's killing people. I think that's good, right? We're, most, we're mostly there. What? <laughs> it's like You a, were a fan of the Patty Duke show in oh, 1963. That killed. And who wasn't? Yeah, yeah. This is sort of a different, though. It's a different take on it. It's sort of like a cross between the Patty Duke show and uh, Small Wonder. Both of which had a, a serious lack of uh, killer robots. They, you know, they did. Although, uh, Small Wonder did have um, a robot that everybody wanted to kill. So that, you know... Same thing. <laughs> it was part of the way there. Same I'd thing. I'd say, yeah. Should we uh, should we start the music again and, and do what we yeah. normally do? Yeah. All right, hang on. Right, there we go. Welcome to Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm Ken Ray. And I'm John Champion, and each week we get emotionally involved in an episode of Star Trek, and we we pick it apart for the morals, meanings, and messages, and we like to see if it stands the test of time. This week, androids. I mean, brothers. Yeah. Although, look for androids uh, coming to the CW in 2017. That's that's <laughs> that's my guess. I got. I got all kinds of people who used to be on Star Trek involved in this, so I'm pretty sure it's going to so, happen. So does every project. I know. I know. I've heard that about a lot of projects. Hey, uh, we want to let you know how you can get in touch with us before we let you know all kinds of trivia stuff about this show. Um, Mission Log Pod is the address to find us on Facebook, Skype, and Twitter. Uh, if you would like to leave us a voicemail, that'd be fantastic. You can give us a call, 323-522-5641. That number again, 323-522-5641. Our email address is missionlog at roddenberry.com. We have a show website with a, with a new picture and, and, and different colors every time you go there. <laughs> Plus places to leave comments and stuff like that. Uh, that is missionlogpodcast.com. And please do remember that we may use your comments on an upcoming episode of Mission Log. Now, I know your, your pipes have gotten a pretty good workout so far, John, because, you know, yeah. you did the whole singing thing and you got the recap right. coming up later. Right. D- do you have trivia in you? I can do it, but I'm not going to sing it. Thank you very much. All right. Today's episode was written by Rick Berman. Yep, that Rick Berman, executive producer of Star Trek The Next Generation. Now, in the original story, you had the kids on the Enterprise, and you had Data, and you had Dr. Sung, and that that was it. 
Mm-hmm. So what what was it missing? Um, it was the the thing. Oh, yeah, the other brother, Lore. Lore. That was Michael Pillar's inspiration and suggestion to uh, work that most obvious plot line in there. Now it was directed by Robert Bowman, and we talked about Rob quite a bit in uh, season one, being the wunderkind who was brought into TNG at the tender age of twenty seven by Bob Justman. This is the last Next Generation episode he directed, and he went on to do so much more episodic TV. Uh, more recently, working on shows like Castle and Daybreak. Um, Laura's clothes, Ken, they are pack-led. Oh, I thought they looked strong. <laughs> it was a nice little connection uh, to whatever became of Laura, and then, of course, the pack-leds that we met along the way. Um, and aren't those clothes made from, a, made from a moving blanket? They look like it. I thought so, yeah, yeah. Um, we haven't talked too much in our trivia about the Elcar's computer displays, other than mentioning that the, the look and feel was developed by Mike Okuda in the art department. And, of course, they have little in-jokes dropped in every now and then. Uh, a couple of things to point out here. In the engineering section, you have that large wall size schematic of the Enterprise, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a couple of shots where you see that behind somebody, particularly Wesley, and then you see Picard over there at one point. In this episode, you can see the Porsche parked in the shuttle bay. Um, You can see a sideways image of Nomad in the primary hull. Uh, There's also a duck and an airplane, so uh, freeze frame if you get a chance to to have a look at that. Isn't Um, HD a wonderful thing? It is. It's pretty great. I love it. There are also a number of ships on the display that Data uses on the bridge. Um, And I love to point out ship names and and history. So among my favorites, we have the USS Bradbury, which we mentioned before, the USS Repulse, the Goddard, which makes sense. And uh, for you history buffs, the Merrimack and the Monitor live on in the 24th century. And finally, one of my favorites, the Thomas Paine, named after the famous revolutionary slash philosopher slash founding father, which seems totally appropriate for Star Trek. He who wrote Rights of Man and the Age of Reason. Now, uh, guest stars. Key Luke as Dr. Sung. <laughs> yeah. Who? Well, uh, Key, Key, Key Luke, uh-huh. who played Governor Corey in the original series, Whom Gods Destroy. Hmm. So he was considered for Dr. Sung, uh, but it seemed more and more apparent that it was Brent Spiner who really needed to play that role. The worry was that it would be exponentially more difficult to shoot around Brent as three characters rather than just the two. Um, So this actually led to some kind of unconventional production. They rehearsed the show for three days. And you typically don't rehearse uh, in TV and film except for when you're about to shoot. Um, you, you just don't eat time doing rehearsals on a stage. But in this case, there was a lot of blocking, uh, a lot of effects to plan out, a lot of camera movements to plan out. Um, I believe they only shot for two and a half or three days with Brent in those roles. So one day they did all of the uh, lore and data scenes because he was in the makeup. And then on another day, day and a half, they could do the uh, Dr. Sung scenes. Uh, It was a closed set, meaning that only the bare essential crew was around while Spiner was working. And we also have two other guest stars. uh, Adam Ryan, who played Willie Potts, did most of his acting in the 90s and moved on to work more as a writer. He's actually Norwegian, and his father is a successful comedy writer and performer. Uh, Adam appeared in a Norwegian sitcom when he was a child and got his first story credit on that show when he was 13 years old. And uh, Jake Potts was played by Corey Danziger. 
he was born in L.A., started acting professionally when he was about 11. And he was a recurring character on the 1980s TV series Beauty and the Beast, the one with Ron Perlman and Linda Hamilton. And he appeared in the movies Beethoven and uh, the Tom Hanks movie The Burbs. It is the parent trap meets AI. It is the prince and the pauper meets short circuit. It is Brothers. Prologue. Shore leave on August 2 has been cut short. The reason? A couple of kids. Jake Potts played a practical joke on his little brother Willie by making Willie think he had killed Jake in a game of laser tag. When Willie ran off, he ate the fruit of a tree that contains a deadly parasite. Now Willie is in quarantine and sickbay, and the Enterprise is rushing to Starbase 416 where he can get complete medical care. This is the story Riker hears when disciplining Jake. The kid's parents are away on sabbatical. He sends Jake with Data to cheer up Willie, but their trip in the turbo lift gets cut short. Data kind of something. He, he stops talking to Jake and seems to short circuit. Without a word, Data heads to the bridge, leaving Jake behind. Act one. Data is definitely not himself. He quietly changes the Enterprise's course and speed and even stops life support functions on the bridge. The rest of the crew have no choice but to evacuate to engineering. Even from there, it's no use trying to take control of the ship. Data is clearly running the show, and he's doing everything he can to isolate himself from the others. Picard orders a separation of the two hulls. But we just did that a couple of weeks ago, and Data has already imitated Picard's voice, fooling the computer into moving all command functions to his console only. Worf and Riker try to break into the bridge, but Data has set up a force field around the area. Just to make sure Data can't beam himself out of there, Picard orders Chief O'Brien to disable site-to-site beaming. Oh, wait, uh, there was something else. Um, oh, yeah, yeah uh, the, the sick kid. Uh, for now, the force field around his quarantine has not been affected by whatever Data is doing, but the further they get from Starbase, the more dire his situation looks. Act 2. Dr. Crusher examines Willie through the safety of the quarantine, and while she does, she asks him if he's ever pulled a practical joke. No, the nine-year-old says. It's never funny to the one getting fooled. When this is all over, maybe he can run Data's comedy club simulation on the holodeck. About that time, Jake shows up with Deanna, but Willie is in no mood to make amends, and Jake sees it. Reconciliation is futile. The Enterprise arrives somewhere. No one below decks knows for sure, since even basic command functions like getting a location or sending a subspace message have all been disabled. From the bridge, Data prepares a site-to-site transport, but our man O'Brien was totally on top of that from the get-go, access denied. So, Data just figures out a route to the transporter room and a series of force fields to get him there. And he locks the computer with a password that would be way harder to remember than the one for your iCloud account. Data makes his way to the transporter room with loads of security officers tailing him, but he makes it because, again, force fields. Waiting for him is Riker and O'Brien, but the force fields keep pushing them back. Finally, Data can get to the transporter controls and give himself sight to sight. He beams away and finds himself on... Dagobah? Might as well be. It's a swampy planet with one house. Data enters, and an old man sizes him up. You're right on time. Act 3. 
The old man is poking and prodding at data, turning off his communicator, checking his fillings. Well, he's reactivating data, getting him out of whatever mode made him freak out and hijack the Enterprise. Data, now back to normal, has no idea how it all happened. The old man says he sent for him. This isn't just any eccentric old man, though. It's Dr. Noonien Sung, the cyberneticist who created Data. And we all thought he was killed by the crystalline entity. Nope. Surprise. There's a little bit of a breakthrough on the Enterprise. The sickbay quarantine uses a force field. It wasn't part of Data's plan, so they can all tech all over that tech and get the bridge to open up again. So Willie is still depressed, thinking his time is running out, and he's still not too keen on his own brother. Dr. Crusher is anxious about getting the force field thing working again, but she reassures Willie that all will be okay. Hey, it worked! The command crew are back on the bridge, and Picard requests the computer return all functions to the consoles. Sure. Except for the password. The really huge password that tech support will be no help in recovering. Sensors work, though. And Worf has spotted a life form on the planet below. Whatever that is, must be where Data is too. And another thing, here comes an unknown ship with no life forms on board. On the planet, there's a lot of catching up to do. Soon wonders why Data chose Starfleet as his career path, though he is intrigued at the fame Data has acquired over the years. He just wonders why his greatest creation wouldn't also go into the rewarding field of cybernetics. Then the conversation turns existential. Data wants to know why he was created. Soong says he had no choice. It's his passion, the way a painter paints, or the way Michelangelo created sculpture. He turns it back around on Data. Why do humans love old things, having a link to the past? Data realizes human mortality is a factor in needing continuity, a connection to the past. So what about the future, Soong proposes. Data says, sure. Maybe the human drive to procreate is a grasp at continuity, a sense of immortality as well. Then, Sung says, Data gets it. The deep, touching moment, though, is interrupted by an unexpected guest. In walks Lore. Act 4. Dr. Sung reactivates Lore despite Data's protest. And when Lore comes out of his daze, he's the same old charming Lore he ever was, immediately accusing Data and Sung of conspiring to capture him for disassembly. As far as Lore knew, Sung was dead, and Data, well, Data is the one who sent Lore adrift two years ago. To be fair, Lore did try to take over the Enterprise and kill the crew. Ooh, awkward. Well, uh, Lore will be leaving now. Not so fast. Sung announces to his boys, he's dying. On the Enterprise, they still have some work ahead of them. They have minimal control, but with Data's lockout code, they can't take full control. And remember how Dr. Crusher was saying to Willie Potts that he'll be fine? That was for him. She tells the command crew that he's got 24 hours, maybe 36 tops. They've got to get control of the Enterprise so they can get to Starbase. Riker has an idea. There might be a way to fool the transporter that beamed Data down to the planet to allow an away team to slip by. They'll give that tech a shot. On the planet, Lore and Data get ready for another bombshell. Lore was, despite his earlier claim, an imperfect model. The colonists were afraid of him and asked Soong to deactivate him and replace him with a better model. That model was Data. Sung explains that he gave Laura some basic emotions, but it didn't work. Those became twisted with ambition and made him into who he is. 
Now he's got a new chip, an emotion chip for data. Aren't you so happy for your brother's good fortune, Lore? Well, Soong is going to take a nap before he installs the chip, leaving Data and Lore to share some awkward glances. Act 5. If there's one good trick Lore learned last time, it's that a costume switch will always fool you. He takes Data's place for the procedure, and when he wakes up with that new emotion chip, well, he's, he's still kind of Lore, but maybe even more Lore? The sarcasm, the bitterness, all turned up to 11 and he's still angry at Sung, who reminds him that the chip was meant for Data and won't work properly on him. Then Lore sends that old man flying across the room, crashing into his instruments. With a song, Lore activates his own transporter and gets out of there. About that time, the away team are making their way to the house. The beam down worked, and they find Sung. They also find a deactivated Data and reactivate him. The story becomes slightly more clear now. Soong couldn't tell his two creations apart, and now Lore has escaped with Data's emotion chip. Data, still unaware of how he got here, is instructed by Soong to unlock a particular memory file, surprising Data as to what actually went down on the Enterprise. Now that he knows, he can undo some of that damage and return control of the ship back to the captain. Soong is dying, though, and refuses medical help on the Enterprise. Data is given a moment to say goodbye and reminds Sung that because he exists, then in some way, Sung will carry on. Oh, and uh, uh, what was it? The uh, uh, Something about the kids. Oh, right, 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 right. Uh, a few days pass. Willie is fine. He's even playing with his older brother, Jake. Data is intrigued, but Dr. Crusher reminds him they are brothers, and brothers forgive. The end. I'm seriously upset. Why why are you upset? Because one seven three four six seven three two one four seven six Charlie three two seven eight nine seven 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 six four three Tango seven three two Victor seven three one one seven eight 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 seven three two four seven six seven eight nine seven six four three seven six is my password for everything. Oh no. It took me so long to no. think of that. Oh. <sighs> wow. I have a mnemonic device and everything. I, I yeah, now I guess I could have not told everybody listening that it was my password for everything and still would have been fine. Well, you got to change it now. So. Well, now I do have to change yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, maybe a longer one would have. <laughs> it yeah. might, it might, yeah. but that'll be hard to remember. Man, I'm sorry. That's I'm all right. Sorry. That's all right. Um, hey, Jake says to Data, I can tell you're angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is well before Data gets this emotion chip. Yeah, he's a that, kid. That kid, that kid knows. He doesn't know. He doesn't, he doesn't know anything. Know? Data's just sitting there being quiet. Yeah, and 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 Jake assumes Jake Jake is actually projecting. I think it's it, it's the silence that speaks so much. Yeah, well, or it's just silence. I wonder if we'll yeah, actually well, be talking about whether or not Data has emotions in this episode. Hmm. No, I don't stick know. around yeah, that, and find that never out. Comes up. I know. Hey, uh, our, our one of our listeners, Alan. Um, mm-hmm. He he wrote an interesting email about uh, brothers, and he pointed out uh, just a couple of things that I wanted to point out here. Um, why did everyone have to leave the shore leave planet? <laughs> I mean, one kid, he gets sick, and and I'm sorry, but if I'm there, I'd be like, yeah, you know, uh, too bad about the kid. I'll be here. Yeah, uh, take him to Starbase and see ya. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe. Uh, yeah, or just take the saucer section. But too much know, weird stuff can happen, though, right? Maybe this is part of Jake's punishment. 
Well, great. Uh, oh, You've ruined maybe. shore leave for everyone now, Jake. A thousand people. <laughs> exactly. And everywhere he goes, people are shaking their heads as he walks by in the corridors. But, you know, maybe Willie should be commended for learning the first rule of Starfleet. <laughs> Eat whatever you find. You go to a planet. <laughs> you go to a planet and you don't know what something is. Just pop it in your mouth. You got to taste the universe. Yeah. He, Alan also asks, Alan also asks, why did they not have the antidote on board if you're going to that place? Hmm. Yeah. Hey, we're going to go to this place, which is totally great, except for the one incredibly dangerous thing that can kill you. Right. Yeah. We know how to resolve that, but that's in another place. Yeah. How about, and that planet apparently doesn't have it either. Because no. you, don't, you, don't, you don't do shore leave on a planet where there's not, you know, like a building or something, you know? You go right. down, there's going to be a souvenir stand, there's going to be snacks, yep. there's going to be all kinds of stuff there. Maybe Probably that planet, maybe yeah. that planet should keep the, uh, keep the antidote there as well, even mm-hmm. if it's not on the ship. Yeah, that's just that's just some that's just some craziness there. You're right. Um, Alan's right. Alan is right. Yeah. Uh, another question that uh, somebody raised: uh, Is there some kind of a failsafe against data? No, there is not. Because I wondered how that conversation <laughs> would go. You know. Uh, okay. So at the end of this week, uh, we learn data's got a homing device and it can be activated, and yeah. he just does no matter what it takes. Yeah. To get back to the origin of of that signal, and there, then they ask him, "Okay, data, is that all? Now, is that the only thing you've got that we've got to worry about?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the next time, oh, I didn't know about this other thing. Right. <laughs> you yeah. Know? It was fascinating actually when when data said, I, "I wasn't aware of this," and Riker says, "We'll talk about this later." Like data, right. like data did it. Talk to the old man that you're not talking to, who you're pretending yeah. like it's not even there and who's dying right at your, uh, right at your feet. Yeah. I, I, did, uh, I did, though, have a question. Two weeks ago, after the Locutus affair, I asked if you would ever put Picard back in the captain's chair. Would you ever let data back on the Enterprise? No. You have no <laughs> idea at this point. Here's what we now know. There was, a, there was a hidden thing that made it possible for Data to take over the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. The guy who activated that is dead, but his evil twin brother... <laughs> is still out there somewhere, and he knows about the homing device now. Yeah, I, you know, I think maybe he could stay there and continue Doctor Sung's work. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, that sounds like a good idea. Or go so back to that other planet and see if they get a shift at the Stuckies. Right, <laughs> right. Well, hey, let's extrapolate that a little bit. You know, how many times will we have officers making terrible mistakes on the Enterprise, not mm-hmm. even necessarily of their own volition, and seemingly getting away with it? Without any kind of maybe an inquiry or a timeout or a, a temporary disassembly mm-hmm. uh, in Data's case. <laughs> temporary disassembly. <laughs> oh, in Data's case specifically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not not, not Picard. <laughs> not like yeah. Barkley. Yeah. Barkley. <laughs> Sorry, Barkley. Where's Lieutenant Broccoli? Yeah, we had to take his head off for a little while because he was bad. <laughs> Just for a little while. Just for a little while. We'll put it back. Yeah. yeah. Can we also get it out of the way in this part of the, the this part of our podcast that it just seems like a really bad choice to totally have no parents in this episode? I, I know that it's about the stars of the show. It's about how Dr. Crusher and everybody else reacts to the drama going mm-hmm. on. Uh, but were we really in danger of breaking the guest star budget to not have one parent? That that really bothered and disturbed me for some reason here. I have to go back to my whole thing about the ship being just full of orphans and, and apparently now just voluntary orphans. Yeah, well, it's kind of it's weird, actually, because Riker is really mad at this 12-year-old mm-hmm. who's 12. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he right. says to the 12-year-old, what was the one rule about your parents leaving the ship? 
that we wouldn't get in trouble. And I, got, I think there was another rule, like, and, and by the way, somebody will actually be looking after my nine-year-old and my 12-year-old, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got that covered. Yeah. Don't worry about that. We're going to send them out with a bunch of other 12-year-olds into the woods. Oh, okay, okay good. Right, right. right. So, like, on the holodeck? No, no, we're going to go to the woods. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. just send them out there. I mean, they could have fallen and broken their legs. Anything yeah. could have happened. There could have been a pit. There could have been a cliff. Yeah, I understand he ate something, and so now it's worse for the whole ship, but come on. Right. And again, it's a working ship, you know, so it's not like we just ask the captain, who's no good with children anyway. Um, <laughs> it's not like we just ask him to watch after these kids. So in that case, if we say, okay, there are all these teachers and, and volunteers and whoever else is on board who's taking care of the kids, we'll take care of the kids. <laughs> you know, right? Just actually take care of the kids because yeah. now you got to involve a senior officer, and that's that just gets ugly. You know, um, I found it interesting that Data can perfectly imitate Picard, mm-hmm. something that he's done before, uh, but he can't whistle. And it just made me wonder: when he's imitating Picard, is he playing back something that he has recorded before? But then, when he whistles, is he mechanically actually making that sound? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This actually, well, it's interesting. It sort of goes to the whole thing of Data can't uh, say can't. He can only say cannot. But if you mm-hmm. ordered him to say can't, would he be able to? Right. Because right. They're, they're, he's uh, uh, so asked Data to whistle. But then if he had said, could you imitate whistling? Right. Would he be able to do it? So why not just fake it and play back a track of what whistling sounds like? Right. And push your lips. And then try, like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally whistling. Look you, at me. You yeah. know how to pretend to whistle, don't you? <laughs> hey, you put your lips together and pretend to blow, right? I mean, that's yeah, it. Right. That's, that's right. I guess that's how you would do that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, twice in this episode, we have people uh, firing or uh, trying to fire a phaser at point blank range against the force field. Yeah. Um, and and interestingly enough, you have force field literally everywhere. Yes. Everywhere on the ship, which seems like a lot of uh, time and resource and energy to, to have that set up. And then I thought it's kind of a neat idea. It's sort of like watertight doors on a ship. You could sure. just cut off or protect any section anywhere. Just hope that it doesn't go out when you're trying to say, get out of the shower. It, well, it's, or, I think it's a fantastic idea. I mean, it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. And you're going to the expense of building a ship anyway. Yeah, right. You might as well go ahead. I and mean, it's better to do it now than, you know try to retrofit it later i i do mm-hmm. think maybe a light <laughs> that would indicate whether our force field is on might not be the oh. worst thing do you know what <laughs> right. i mean like because because yeah. like guys are just like walking and breaking their noses against force fields or bumping against force fields and also and this is very not bumping against force fields in a dirty way mind you just you know like walking yeah, into well, force fields sure um the, the other thing that i kept wondering is okay so they were about to climb up back into science section or science station two right on the bridge mm-hmm. and then data activates the force field right and they hear that and and the the uh, the shot seems to indicate that the force field is activated as as they're like climbing up the ladder on the jeffrey's tube right that's right. where it would be so what if they were halfway there oh yeah this is what i was wondering oh, like yeah. like if, if you're standing in the plane of a force field when it's activated would it like have a like a fail safe where it doesn't activate? Would it gently push you one way or the other, <laughs> or does it just cut you? Or would you be sliced in half? <laughs> exactly, because that could be graphic, yeah, and, and deadly, and and any number of bad things. 
Wow, yeah, I, I did not think about that. I, I did like the idea of what's under the bridge, though. Like, that that's kind of cool. You know, I, I think about my home entertainment center. It's just a mess of wires everywhere. But if I had a room under that mm-hmm. to hide all of that, that's that, that's pretty good. That's where all the guys, like, when you and I graduate from peeling potatoes, we'll be the guys underneath, like, wiring, you know, oh, we've got to cross-circuit A to cross-circuit B under science, too, because data, you know, change the password again you know and the guy can never remember his password if there's yeah. anybody out there who's ever done sort of like any sort of you know radio engineering or audio engineering or anything like mm-hmm. that you're gonna love what i'm about to say i worked mm-hmm. for uh, a, a place that owned a bunch of radio stations they had a station in the dc area where somebody very forward thinking uh, went in and did a four foot uh, four foot excuse me a four inch elevated floor <laughs> so all the wires from from all of the control rooms to all of the like all of the receivers to everything were uh, just laid beautifully under the floor and and they were fantastic. also they were also uh they were also tied um you know to to certain places so if you knew where you were looking knew where you're going it was just oh, it was gorgeous it's beautiful it, it was it was it's just beautiful. gorgeous i yeah. want my life to be like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you don't need a whole room under there is what i'm saying just yeah put it in an elevated floor next time your girlfriend's out of town just yeah, <laughs> perfect. Hey, maybe, look what I did. Maybe I, she won't even notice when she gets back. Cause <laughs> right. Did you get tall? Did we all get taller? Nope, nope, nope. Pl- don't worry about it. Place got yeah. shorter. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, about that homing device in yeah. data and lore. Um, I, I wondered why it would like. It, it's a cool idea. It's kind of like a safe boot mode on a Mac. Yeah. You know, just get rid of all the extraneous stuff. Just focus on one task, you know. Um, but I, I wondered why it would make them lose all of their sensibility and still have access to their intelligence. Because, you know, Sung is a smart guy. Mm-hmm. And he seems to have programmed, well, at least it worked in data. There's some idea of uh, of the, the laws of robotics and all of this stuff and, and taking orders but not, you know, harming anybody. And, and data is actually putting people in harm mm-hmm. by doing this. And had it not been the Enterprise, had it been – maybe he was stuck on the shore leave planet. And what does he do? Does he just like take somebody out to steal a ship from the shore leave planet to get back to where Sung is? There are all kinds of – terrible things that could have happened well my assumption is that he would i mean like he didn't even know about well i guess he did know about the kid hmm that's yeah. interesting yeah that's really yeah. interesting yeah. yeah i um i was i found myself wondering about uh well i had a friend one time walking home going through a tunnel it was in san francisco and this young woman came uh, running out of the tunnel and mm-hmm. and said I can't I can't I can't. It's because there was a motorcycle accident inside, and uh, and and somebody had actually lost an arm, which is kind of gross. Oh. And so my friend actually took the took the who was about the same age, I guess, also a woman. Um, took the young woman uh, and like and like held her head to her chest, and walked her through the tunnel. Mm. Got her out, made sure she was okay, and then she went home and she freaked out. There was uh you know, but there was something else to take care of. So she she had her own freak out, but she kind of like, you know, overrode that in a way, which is a long way around to say Data didn't lose all sensibility. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Picard looks over at Data and Data looks over at Picard and they both nod at each other. That was I I kept trying to figure out that shot. Well, I think that's Data just I think that's Data trying to pull one over on Picard, because the other thing that happens, it makes me think that there's a little bit of Data still there is the fact that they're trying to contact Data Mm -hmm. and he turns off the speaker. 
Mm-hmm. All sensibility is not gone. Some of his memory is lost now, when he gets, especially when he gets down to Sung, although I think that was actually just Sung trying to have Data's undivided attention. But, I mean, they're, they're calling to Data, they're calling to Data, and there's no reason Data shouldn't be able to hear that and forget about it, especially if Data has no emotions. Gee, I wonder if we'll be talking about whether Data has emotions. <laughs> but, but that distraction is actually distracting, and so he turns it off. Yeah. So I don't think he's lost... Uh, I don't, I don't think all of his sensibilities are gone. I think he's still there, but there's an overriding purpose uh, in this case, which was yeah. my point with the story about my friend. Of course, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, uh, Sung has this line, uh, what's so great about the past? People got sick. They needed money. Is there, there's our line. Yeah. Not anymore, they don't. Yeah, people still get sick. Yeah. <laughs> people do get sick. But, but they don't need money. money, except for the episodes where they do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or they can just replicate it. Or, or I, I still think about... Uh, Dr. Crusher in Encounter at Far Point. Oh, just bill it to my room. Yep. You know, sure. Okay, because my, my room is on the Enterprise and I can just make you think that I've got whatever We will completely be paying that, that. We will yeah. absolutely be paying that bill. No totally. question. You're, uh, what did you call it again? Money? Yes. Yeah, we what's have... the unit of currency? Sure, I've got that. <laughs> as soon as you tell me what currency is. Yeah, I've got, I've got all of the currency. Um... <laughs> The, the transporter idea was very clever, but I, I did, as soon as they said it and before Riker called it out, I kept thinking, uh, the way the pattern buffer works, well, wouldn't they all materialize as data when they get down there? It's like, oh, just make the transporter think that we're all data. Okay. So the transporter puts them all together as data. Then you got four datas running around on that planet. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. That's a fa- especially if they had some of the characteristics. So there's data with you know the the ridges on the forehead, and there's data with the full Riker, and you know <laughs> we've out. seen data yeah. with the full Riker, so we know we what have. that's like. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting because I hadn't really thought about that that much, but I'm I'm thinking now back to Jordy saying, well, we just have to trick it into thinking it's still in school. You mm-hmm. wouldn't test a transporter by transporting a guy. But right. you would want to know that it can handle transporting a guy or a gal. You'd want to know that it can handle transporting people. So you would probably just put a lump of something up there yeah, and yeah, say, yeah, okay, right. this is Captain X, and we want Captain X to turn up in this place down on the planet. So go ahead and transport Captain X down to the planet. And it's still a lump of stuff when it gets down there. Yeah. So you're basically you're having the transporter identify these officers who are beaming down as just a lump of stuff. But a lump yeah. of stuff that they, although the thing is, though, then they still should have put them all three in the exact same spot. Right, right. right. <laughs> or, that or, would be okay, really or, gross. Or, here's O'Brien. He just, you know, like we saw before, he keeps getting out the sauna buoys yeah. and, and throwing them on the transporter. And just a hundred times, like, oh, we made another data. All right, here's 102. <laughs> ah, we just made another data. Keep going. Keep going until you don't make another data. One for every ship. Right. One for every exactly. ship in the fleet. I think that's actually, you know, you mentioned the replicating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it, how? It, uh, <laughs> sorry, Laura. I only had time to make one ship. Really? Because you could have made a second one. Like, well, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> you put yeah, it in right. that thing and make a second one, and then you work a little bit long. It made me, that, that part yeah. made me insane. You guys are, are practically identical except for a little bit of programming, but no way that ship's going to work on you. No. Right? no, no, no. Okay. All right. My bad. Uh, the, at the end of the show, this, uh, the, this moment where they, they all come together and they're gathered around Sung. And here's, here's my imitation of Riker. Ready? Okay. <laughs> I love this. Go, goes the data. Tell me what's going on. Well, you see, sir, I, got, I don't care what's going on. <laughs> Sick kid aboard. Wow. Okay. Uh, thanks. 
Episodes with Laura are great. It is like having a bit of the mirror universe, in our universe. Unless this, is the mirror universe. Well that is going to trouble me. Was it Bye Bye Birdie uh, where, where Paul Lynn sang the song Kids? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what's wrong with these kids today. Kids today. Yeah. Yeah. You got to say that every time you see a kid on the Enterprise. <laughs> Maybe half the time when it's Wes. Maybe not so much because he's getting older now. Mm-hmm. So we have a less sort of kid plot line with Wes these days. Mm. Um, there are two things that I did not like immediately with these children. <laughs> On the Enterprise, well, okay. and it wasn't just the fact that they're children on the Enterprise. Yeah. So, uh, so Jake uh, pulls a practical joke. Now, whether you like practical jokes, whether you think practical jokes are funny, it wasn't a bad practical joke, right? I mean, For as sure, practical right. jokes yeah. go, if I, we're going to probably ass- do that, yeah. yeah, if we're going to assume that they're okay, that practical jokes are all right, then the one he pulled is really not that bad. And Riker is really training Jake to be a humorless individual from now on because somebody might overreact. <laughs> I, yeah. I have a really hard time with that. Now, we, we joked about the fact that nobody was watching these kids. Yeah. I hope that Picard is going to give Riker as hard a talking to as Riker is giving Jake. Mm. Because somebody needs to be responsible for these children because they are children. And for Riker to make this kid you know feel as bad as he probably does because his brother is possibly going to die. Yeah. Yeah, well, how funny is it now? Well, if, if he hadn't eaten something stupid, it would have been really funny. We would right. still be laughing about it. Remember how funny right. it was when Wes was calling people broccoli? Yeah. Yeah, this is funnier than that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and right. yet they thought that was the most hilarious thing ever. Yeah. And, of course, now it is sad that the kid was going to, you know, going to die. Also, uh, Jake is a real quitter. He goes yeah. to see his brother. Uh-huh. And, uh, well, I mean, first of all, he should have been arguing about with Riker going, come on, that's funny. I mean, seriously, think about it for a second. Okay, but, yeah, okay. So he, he quits right away there. Never going to be a comedian like that. No. But um, he, he goes in to see his brother, and his brother rolls over, and Jake's like, there, you see? How can I tell him if he won't listen to me? It's just a waste of time. He won't listen. Well, you could try actually saying a word to him. Yeah. Right. I, d- I didn't, I, w- I was not overly uh, enamored with the children on this episode. No, no, and I, I just I I agree with you. I there could have been something there, but but the whole plot line just felt kind of uh, clearly it's contrived because you have to contrive something to tell the story, but it, it rang false. And and Star Trek has had this problem of not knowing how to write about kids, mm-hmm. and and only recently in our watching uh, has it been able to make something work with Wesley better than it had. But really now he's just a young ensign. Yeah, he's grown he, up. He, he's, yeah, yeah, he's not a kid dealing with kid stuff. He, he's now a, a young guy in a uniform who just happens to be younger than the other people on the bridge. Um, and I, I think this will come back to our morals, meanings, messages. So I really wondered if what we're dealing with, uh, with uh, the, the Potts brothers, are, are we really doing a message here about forgiveness? These are kids, and and sure, that's a valuable lesson. But but something about it just doesn't play right because I think the adults, with the exception of Doctor Crusher, the adults really don't seem to know how to deal with these kids. Loved her in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Until absolutely. she turns around to talk to Jordy. 
Honestly, yeah. when she's playing against a little Norwegian kid whose name I already can't remember, Willie, young Willie Pot. <laughs> yeah, right. When she's playing against Willie, I I loved her in this. It was yeah, it was actually yeah. it was I I yes, I really liked her a lot in this episode, which is kind of mm-hmm. amazing because I really didn't like Willie. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move on to bigger topics. Yeah. Uh, conversation between Sung and Data. Why did you create me? Data's core search for, for personality, for purpose, for humanity, e- emotion or not, and I think we'll get into it, this is something that, that humans do. Um, and, and it's a great idea about the things that we do, the things that we create, being a grasp at immortality. Kind of like, you know, whether you said a painter or a sculptor, or maybe doing a podcast for 14 years. Yeah, and I, I really did not realize it was going to be 14 years when we started. <laughs> you thought, oh, great, I'm in for like six months and I, I'm out. I don't know. There's all of Star Trek, it's done. Okay, funny story and true. Yeah. Uh, the show that I do, as people are listening to this, the show that I've done, um, my, my, my daily Mac News show, uh, yeah. turns 10 this week. Wow. Can I tell you, I honestly thought it was going to be six months. Wow. <laughs> so when you say to me, wow. what, do you think it's going to be six months and we're done? Yeah, that's pretty much how I yeah. go into shows. <laughs> I found the conversation between uh, Sung and Data um, about antiques and procreation and the sense of continuity interesting and also troubling. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't help thinking of uh, Up the Long Ladder. Okay. When uh, when uh, they were talking not to the Brenloidi, but uh, the, the people who wanted Riker's... Um, uh, genetic material mm-hmm. yeah, and they had said look this will be great you'll be immortal yeah, part of you will live on forever and Riker uh, spurns that request saying you know normal people decent people good people achieve immortality by having kids um, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. which I had a problem with at the time now Sung's is a bit different because he's actually literally creating kids or creating androids but they're still going off to, to do their own thing um, mm. I, I will say I did also get a bit more sympathy for the insufferable Claire Raymond um, oh, really? uh, from this episode. To live well past the point of mattering to anybody. Yeah. I thought of the guys, everybody from Menudo except for Ricky Martin. Okay. Remember when they used to fill stadiums and they were sure. all over ABC and, you know, and now they like, who knows what the guys from Menudo do? Right. You know, or to be a writer who like had like a string of bestsellers when you were in your 20s. Yeah, I mean, they, they did the song for uh, Cannonball Run 2. You know, how do you <laughs> how do you top that? How do you, you don't, you I don't did, care? I did not that. realize that they did that, but I had actually it's, moved on to more serious. Uh, that, that's my little bit of trivia for that's you. That's not yeah. bad. That's that's yeah. that's really deep, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I don't know. It's, it would be weird to, 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 I guess, go through life knowing that your greatest days are behind you. I had a, I had a friend who um, knew a guy who was drummer for some band whose name we all would have known in the late 80s and early 90s. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the band is now, but he was at a party one night just talking to a few close friends. And he's like, yeah, so here's the thing. Uh, I achieved everything I ever wanted in life when I was 24 years old. Whoa. So what do you do after that? Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, kind of a kind of interesting um thing and i guess the answer is have a kid <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i mean right. that's right. sung's answer is different you know than the writers or the directors i mean data and Laura, they they walk and they talk they they go out and they do things they're active parts of the universe and you know i guess the same thing could be said for children but it's not there's some there's something about that whole you know that's why we do what we do that's that's why we have kids that's why we procreate 
so that so that we can have that sense of continuity because that still doesn't feel to me like the best reason to do it. That's probably the reason a lot of people do it. Well, but, yeah, but, but I mean, it's not it's not it's not right. Uh, okay, but <laughs> or it doesn't somebody, feel right to me anyway. Speaking of somebody who does not have a kid, and me too, and you too, you know, I I, I still I. Maybe there are people who consciously think that, but mm-hmm. maybe that is sort of an you know an underlying thing with our our sort of evolutionary prerogative that we do that. There is a desire and a drive to procreate, mm-hmm. but that is maybe one of the many benefits that come from that. There are a lot of bad reasons to have kids for sure, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think intellectualizing or or even just so sort of seeing the poetry of the idea that I die. But a part of me, genetically, intellectually, artistically, something carries on. Right. I, I don't think that's a terrible thing, but I, I don't think that we, we sit down, hopefully not, and go, all right, well, what am I going to do today? All right, uh, well, I'm not going to finish that novel. So <laughs> I better I'll have, have a kid. kid. <laughs> I'll have a kid. And the kid will carry on uh, whatever terrible ideas i had about writing a novel somebody could actually honestly answer this question for me is that why people want grandchildren and i'm not kidding when i say that my dad a a few years ago started giving me grief about about not having a child and Hmm. i'm like well you didn't really seem to want a child that much (laughs) so what do you want with a grandkid right i wonder if that's like if, if he's sort of like if he's coming to a place where he's like, oh, well, I, I line ends here, I guess, because, yeah. you know, as things stand right now, that that is the way. And yet there seemed to be all of a sudden some desire that, I don't know, to make sure that I had a child. I, I think there are a lot of answers to that question Okay, uh, that that may or may not actually have much to do with, particularly with Sung. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, but that's, boy, that, that's a deep one, too. Sung's a troubling character to me, too. Sure. He's just like I mean, like I, I never felt too comfortable without a prearranged route of escape. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. To your kid, you say that? Well, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he did. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he did. Right. And uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that you were just a pile of stuff. And oh, by the way, yes, I know there were problems with you, but it was just easier to have another kid. Did I say have? I meant build. It was just easier to build another kid. But I was going to get around to fixing you, firstborn man. Really, you were. I mean. Either these are just machines and it doesn't matter what he says to them or they're, you know, living beings as Starfleet has decided Data is, in which case, yeah, a little tact. Yeah. Of course, they don't have emotions, except, of course, they do. Okay. Or maybe we'll yeah. talk about that. I don't know. We, I think we're we talking might, about it. I think we should. You want to talk to you want to talk about it now? Yeah, well, I think you just brought it up in exactly the right place. All right. Well, yeah. then go ahead. Well, <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I, I think that's it. I mean, it, it, you talk about it, Caring that there are emotions or not. Mm-hmm. That caring is the emotion. Right. It, it, it is a kind of emotion. And, um, yeah. See, I'm not uh, sure if we need to talk about whether or not Data and Lore have emotions, though, as much as we need to talk about our fascination with whether or not Data and Lore have emotions. Well, here's the thing. I mean, as the viewers of a show, just, again, we, we got to treat this as the, the fictional show that we're watching and we're talking about it. It's a piece of art and metaphor and cool. You know, we, we are seeing an actor whose, whose abilities as an actor are purely based on emotion. That, that is what an actor does. 
Right. Uh, you know, so so there has to be something coming from behind the eyes in in Brent Spiner that is playing the scene, and playing the scene means being emotionally invested in the scene and acting and reacting to what's going on. Um, otherwise, you you literally could just fill it with a, a CG robot or a guy in a cardboard box and and move him around and you know, ha- have the line spoken by a computer. Um, but we're not going to connect to that. We, we have to have something to connect to, and we're connecting to the emotional subtext of everything. There are so many little moments in this show that I felt like there's an emotion. And even if the actors would say, or in this case, the, the one actor, Brent Spiner, would say, well, I didn't play that with emotion. I would say the look is is transmitting a kind of emotional response. The very idea that uh, is it act four, I guess, that ends with uh, Sung saying, I'm going to go take a nap. Right. And then you have to look between Lore and Data. And Lore is up to something, and Data knows it. And Data knows that it's not just the logical, he's up to something, therefore I have to plan ahead. It's a look of fear. It's a look of concern. It's a look of trepidation. It's a look, you know, apply however many things you want to it, but that is the emotional response. Right. um, And we, the audience, have to feel that. We do know that Laura has emotions, though, right? I mean, it's, it's been established that he has emotions. Now they're they're cross circuited, they're weird and they're they're yeah. extreme. Well they got they got tied up with ambition. Yeah. And you can't right. control them apparently. Right. But he has yeah. them. Yeah. So I mean for Laura to look over it, so we don't have to debate whether or not Laura has emotions unless we're gonna debate whether any of us have emotions. Because Laura yeah. I mean Laura's it goes back to the conversation we used to have during the original series, uh, uh deciding between artificial intelligence and manufactured intelligence. Right. Lore has emotions, but Lore's not real. So if Lore's not real or if Lore is artificial intelligence, then does Lore actually have emotions or is he just programmed to think he has emotions? And is this why we actually get so – I don't mean you and I personally. I mean people who watch Star Trek. Is this why we get so worked up about whether or not Data has emotions? Right. Because what does it say about you know living and being if this machine can have them? Well, at a certain point, that just sort of becomes an academic question. I, I think it's an academic question all the way through. Isn't well, it? Well, of course, of course. But, but it, I mean that if you were a person, if we pretended like the Enterprise was real and we pretended like Data was real and we pretended like you really were an officer on that ship and had to interact with Data day in and day out, mm-hmm. you would drive yourself mad trying to figure out if the emotion is real or manufactured because the end result is the same. You know, the end result is you're having a conversation, which now, granted, if we say that emotions in data are dialed down quite a bit. OK, they, he, he's at about a two mm-hmm. <laughs> where Laura is at an 11. Yeah. OK, fine. And and data has some control over how he expresses himself in a way that Laura does not. But uh, all these, you know, quirks aside, concern, et cetera, the guy can't tell a joke. OK, that's fine. So he's lacking in that. Um, But all these other reactions and interactions that Data has, um, you would go mad laying in bed at night as the Enterprise carries on through the darkness of space, staring at the ceiling, wondering, but was that a real emotion or is it manufactured? And if I can't tell the difference, then what does that say about me? What does it say about the nature of emotion? That would be playing in your head all night long. (laughs) You know, that plays in my head all night long now. I know. I know. 
I mean, and and it's not the first time. I mean, because we had this presented to us week after week after week. I think what's starting to bother me about it, honestly, is the fact that did Hal have emotions? Oh, did the Hal nine thousand have emotions? He says that his mind is going, and they yeah. can feel it. And he says, "Please don't." He says, "Stop." But I mean, that's just a self-preservation. Yeah, that's an intelligence imperative to want to stay intelligent, to want to stay awake, to want to stay dare you say alive. Right. Do you know what I mean? I don't I'm trying to figure out <laughs> I am I'm, I'm I I almost want to figure out why it is we want to figure it out so much about data. And I'm trying to figure yeah. out is it a fault of the writing or is it a fault of I don't want to say a fault of acting. I don't want to say a fault of writing either except I mean we have things like you know, sir, that I cannot grieve for you. And Sung says, you will in your own way. Okay, well, yes. will he? Or is that just Sung, you know, sort of deciding that himself? But then what does Data say at the very end? Goodbye, father. Why does he call him father? Well, because he wants Sung to feel better. Why does he want Sung to feel better? Well, it's got to be because he has some kind of emotion. Okay, does he have that? Or is it just a poignancy that we're trying to, that the writers are trying to draw out from us? It, I mean, it's... Well, remember, Data did things like keep his medals in his drawer. Yes. He kept the, the hollow image of Tasha Yar. He kept things that had meaning. Right. So sense and, of continuity, and, sense of purpose perhaps, a sense yeah. of and and certainly an emotional tie. Yeah. And yet it's something that we're gonna I know we're not supposed to jump the timeline, but when 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 Picard stands there with his hands on on the ship that is going to achieve warp for Cochrane, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, you feel it. And, and, and of course, Data goes through the, it has this, it has this, I'm detecting this. And he's like, no, 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 the sense of history. Huh? Okay. <laughs> really? Because that's like four seasons from now, and he's still going to be that way. Right. <sighs> All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Let's, let, let's talk a little bit of a slightly different topic here. Uh, the, the, the psychology and, and the relationship between Lore and Sung. Mm-hmm. Lore's the bad kid, obviously. But, but he's aware of himself and he's aware of his actions. He's aware of that what he does has impact on others. He, he admits it. You know, I'm, I'm damaged. I'm, I'm the bad kid. Um, on meeting Sung, he's struggling with the, the question of his own nature versus nurture. It, it, was he made this way? Is he damaged goods from the get-go? Or what has made him turn into what he is? And he blames Sung for not fixing him. And, and I just, I wondered about kids who have made terrible decisions or, or have had seriously damaged lives. Um, and how much of that then they blame on parents. At, at the same time, thinking their parents may have the power to simply fix them. But but beyond that, these are individuals with their own agency and their own drives and their own emotions, and and it can't just be a thing for parents to fix. And I wondered then for Sung's position, what is the parent's obligation? So, you know, imagine a scenario like this, and, and it's data and lore. You know, one kid does well in school, and the parents send him off to wherever, at a medical school, law school, whatever he wants to do. And the other kid doesn't do well, but then beyond that, isn't given the option to pursue something worthwhile. I can see why Lord would feel resentment when Soong responds. I mean, the, the, the line about the emotion chip wasn't meant for you. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, um, if it weren't Lord, that, that would bring anybody else to tears. You know, it's absolutely absolutely horrendous what uh what what sung says now 
from Lore's position, Lore does not give Sung the opportunity to try to fix this. Lore is Lore is desperate, and he thinks he maybe he thinks the emotion chip will fix him, that it will correct these misfiring emotions in him. Mm-hmm. But Sung has already said it won't. It'll only make things worse, but he, he, he takes the pill anyway, even though being told that, that it will damage you. Um, I, I just found something within that heartbreaking because there's no really good answer and nobody comes out looking good in it. It's really interesting to me that you actually see Laura as struggling. The only mm-hmm. thing that I saw Laura struggling with was um, Sung's mortality because it, it, it's going to change things. Right. Mm-hmm. Laura mm-hmm. is just a cold dealing villain. Yeah. I, I think. And Laura is fine with that. It's sort of like um I can't remember the prince's name. Uh, not not the not the not the high prince, but the sort of underling prince from Much Ado About Nothing. I mean okay. he states he states point blank, I am a villain. And and mm-hmm. Laura seems to be that as well. He does have this sort of why didn't you do this for me? Why didn't you do that for me? And this is where this also becomes tricky. I mean, in this case, Sung actually did have the option of am I going to fix this problem or am I just going to work on a, a new solution entirely? Yeah. I mean, he says the next logical step was to build a completely different thing. Why is that the next logical step? I'm sort of with Laura right, on this right. one. At the same time, though, I don't I don't think, with the exception of Sung's mortality, I, don't, I, I didn't feel any struggle at all in Laura. Well, honestly, what it reminded me of was um, Gator from uh, Jungle Fever. Remember Gator? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The uh, Samuel Jackson character, uh, sure, who kept yeah. coming around, and his mother kept helping him out, and you know, kept coming around, and his mother kept helping him out, and he kept, he would do the cute little dances, and he would, he would, you know, uh, play on the emotions. And in the end, his father shot him. I mean, because it had to stop at some point. I'm not saying that's what needs to happen, but I got crackhead off of lore all the way through. I got, I got manipulative. Um, need sponge <laughs> off of lore all the way through the big difference here though is he literally was actually made that way by sung yeah i don't think sung built him to be that but i mean he was literally built that way i mean you have a kid you send your kid out into the world he comes into contact with all different kinds of people there are all kinds of you know uh, biological things that might happen i mean there are any number of inputs that go into an actual living breathing child that that over which you have no control i mean some you have control over certainly Mm-hmm. But others you don't. And you, you do your best. And I, this is what I hear. This is what television teaches me about parenting because, again, I don't know. <laughs> but you do your best and, and still things might go wrong. Sung is a roboticist. He's a cyberneticist. He builds a cyborg or he builds a robot and something goes wrong with that one. And he's just like, oh, well. And then goes and starts building a second one instead of trying to take care of the first one. Makes that yeah. a bit more makes that a bit more tragic. At the same time, there was, except for the part where he freaked out about the dying, there was not a moment that I, that I believed anything Lore had to say at all because he states, I'm bad. Sure, sure, sure. But I, I mean, I, I think the, the interesting part behind it is that, like I said, Lore is aware of who he is. He's aware that his actions have impact mm-hmm. and he's aware that he was made that way but abandoned that way. Yeah, You know, I I think it's a difficult thing that it it actually gives him some motivation. It gives him some background as opposed to just being the bad guy because he is the bad guy. And and it raises this question about what is what is Sung's responsibility? And do we look at that responsibility as being something different 
that this is a manufactured intelligence versus a naturally occurring biological intelligence. I honestly, you know? I honestly wish, based on what you had said earlier, I wish they hadn't thought to put lore in here. Mm. Because they're not actually brothers, but we're sort of laying this brother, you know, uh, film over the whole thing. Sung does not act, I mean, acts as a father to Data, but does not act as a father at all to Lore. Except for, he acts, acts like the mother from Jungle Fever. The mom keeps wanting Gator to be good. And so the mom keeps treating Gator as if he's going to be good. Mm -hmm. Data's standing there saying, seriously, he killed a whole colony. <laughs> right. and he tried to kill the ship that I was on and he tried to kill me and and Sung's like oh he's not that bad so turn him back on you know and of course it'll end up with Sung dying yeah and absconding with the uh, with the important thing um yeah it's I I I I I, I wish he weren't there because then we might have had a real examination of what it actually means to have a brother and an examination of of our place in the universe uh, where we are the android who has no idea why we're here. With Little, what is his name? All better. And with Lore, all gone. It is time now to figure out what we can learn from brothers. Well, I think this is the episode where we finally decide does Data have emotions or not. <laughs> and we'll never, ever, ever talk about it again, ever. <laughs> Until next week. Or what we can do instead is uh, is discuss this episode in particular. Uh, the messages, morals, and meanings of brothers and whether or not the episode holds up. Let us start there, Mr. Champion. Does brothers hold up as far as you're concerned? Okay, I'm going to have an unpopular opinion. All right. Um, I, I think it holds up. Mm -hmm. um, it is a, a, as a production, as a story, but honestly, I think that it's kind of overrated. Okay. I really do. So we came off of Best of Both Worlds and Family, and I think that Family hopefully is a very well-rated, much-beloved episode. I, I saw a couple of comments um, on our Facebook page uh, of people saying kind of, I, I don't get it. I, I don't think it's that great, and for this reason, that reason. Uh, but that, that's definitely the minority. And I feel like uh, uh, family is sort of this masterpiece of uh, storytelling with Star Trek and in completing and elucidating on some character arcs for the, the characters that we love. I think Brothers wanted to be that. And, and it continues this idea of the personalities behind what's going on. And that's a great idea. And we should have that. But other than the performances by, well, Brent Spiner <laughs> being amazing, just fantastic. Um, and, and we get some information about data, although I don't think it greatly changes anything that we've known about data. And then we see Laura again, and, and I felt like, okay, then what? Laura shows up and then he goes away. Yeah. I understand that he'll be back. And, and I understand that the emotion chip will be back. But looking at this episode on its own, I don't really think it holds up that well. I did actually think of the menagerie a little bit um, because when we were talking earlier, kind of making light of the idea of Starfleet officers who do terrible things and then we just sort of get a pat on the back. Well, you acted really crazy on that one, didn't you? Okay, I'll never do it again. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I thought about Spock hijacking the Enterprise. Um, 
you know, so th- there are elements to this that I like, but I, I think that the actual story of the brothers, the the boys on the Enterprise, plays very false and and very strangely. Um, but again, that Star Trek struggling with how to write for kids. Um, there are elements of the Data, Lore, and Sung story that I like, but I don't necessarily think it holds up on its own. Yeah. So that, that's why it's hard for me to really give it a pass. Holds up, sure, but in my mind, it's still overrated. How about you? I almost wish they hadn't called last week's episode family so they could call this one family, but let's lose lore. I mm. wish it had just been an examination of, of why. If it had been Data just talking with Sung, yeah. that would have been a bit more interesting to me. And so then we have the brothers part of family, and then we have the father-son part of family, or the, right. or the you know, parent-child part of family, or whatever. It would have been great to see Sung sort of you know, examine why he was doing it. Sung already knew the answers to all of these questions. He's just been mm. waiting for some robot to come and ask him. Right. Data doesn't know the answers. And it would have actually been more interesting to see them struggle with. I would, I, I'm fine if you want to talk about Lore, but let's talk about Lore without him being there. Because once yeah. Lore just shows up to be a bad guy, like if Data had had more questions about Lore for his father than he had for himself, that might have actually been a really interesting examination of something. Right. Otherwise, it kind of feels like platitudes. Well, and it seems like Lore just showing up because you need the mustache-twirling villain. Yeah, well, and and you need the emotion chip to go away, too. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. The emotion chip, one of two things has to happen. Either the emotion chip has to not work so that we can continue this, you know, pretend game of, oh, it's so sad that Data doesn't have emotions, (laughs) even though he does. Or the emotion chip has to, maybe Sung could have lost it and all of this stuff. (laughs) Maybe that would be the other thing. He could have died not knowing where it was. And, of course, Data can't because he has to go and save the kid, whatever. Right. Let's talk about the things that are wonderful in this episode. The first two acts of of am I going to be able to get control of my ship again are really mm-hmm. honestly fantastic. It's fast paced. Mm-hmm. It's well done. I love seeing data anticipate and react. I don't like the fact that everybody kept walking into force fields. But otherwise, it was actually a great sort of action-y kind of. I mean, we talked last week about how much talking there was and how little action there was. This was actually a good divide between action and inaction. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I think in this episode. So that was great. As I said before, I love Gates McFadden with the kid. I thought she was absolutely fantastic. Um, I say from a production standpoint, this episode absolutely holds up. Messages? There is not a message in this episode that I like. Mm. I don't think there is a single message in this episode that I like. Brothers forgive. Well, maybe. But maybe they don't. I mean, it seems like as we're moving away from examining moral conundrums to examining people, as we're moving less away from situational and more to character driven, Mm -hmm. then there are a number of things that we automatically lay over television that are always the case, right? Uh, Your brother was a jerk to you, but, you know, he still loves you and he makes you the best you can be. Well, he abused you for your 20s to the point that you left the planet. Right. Through your right. 20s to the point that the best thing for you to do was get as far away, literally as far away from home as possible. But he's your brother. Gotta love him. Oh, but 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 Ken, so many people said that, no, that, that wasn't abuse. That was the tough love that Jean-Luc needed. Well, and I argue that that was a possibility in that episode as well. But, I mean, there still <laughs> seems to be – there seems to now – we seem to now be going with the stencil of what it means. Like, yeah. You gotta love yeah. your family. No, you don't. Yeah. 
especially yeah. if your family abuses you. Right. I have friends who work in social work. I can tell you a million people who should have stopped loving their families a long time ago. And I'm not saying it's not punitive. It's not you. Well, now you hate them and you and you're you're out to get them. It's just sort of like let's let's lose this you know sort of hallmark idea that you love your family no matter what, and and maybe work on making sure that you're okay. Mm-hmm. Because those people aren't necessarily doing that for you. And I'm not saying you hate your mom and hate your dad. I'm not saying you dislike your family, you know, out of hand. I'm saying it's all worth examining. And this seems to be an idea that we're losing. The more we look into people, the less critical eye we seem to be taking as Star Trek goes. Yeah. That worries me a tiny bit, honestly. Um, and, of course, the whole thing of teaching kids that nothing is funny. <laughs> 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 hey, that might upset someone or, or hey, you could put your eye out. Okay, well, you're right. I'll be a humorless individual unless I come up with a good pun for somebody's name. And of course, you know, robots can't be trusted. And, and if there's one message that I hate more than any of them in this episode, oh, oh. the idea that robots can't be trusted. <sighs> so no. anyway, there's me. What about that, you? That, that, that hits you right in the heart. <laughs> that, I know that, that, that one know. crushes me. Yeah, that that last line of uh, Doctor Crusher saying, "They're they're brothers, Data. Brothers forgive." Yeah, and my I believe my note here is no, 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 no. <laughs> Laura is not a problem to forgive. Right. Um, the Potts brothers, sure, um, they did a stupid thing, and uh, well, actually started with a funny thing. Yep. Then went to a sad, stupid thing. Which is hopefully a thing they will laugh about 10 years from now. Yeah, they're 9 and 12. That's the other thing. I can't really apply any morals to what's happening with them because they're a 9-year-old and a 12-year-old. Right, right. (laughs) That that message, we shouldn't shouldn't have tried to force that on the data story because it's totally not related, (laughs) you know? Right. Um, So that idea of forgiveness works with the Potts brothers, but um, how in the world are we supposed to take that regarding lore and data? How much forgiveness do we allow lore? Now, like I said before, there's something about the lore story that uh, you you can see a little bit of empathy for him in that he is damaged goods. Yes. But he's damaged goods who goes around killing people, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, with no remorse. Yeah, you so feel bad, but at some point yeah. you still got to say, yeah, really, enough's enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he fools Sung about his sincerity. Even Data is there saying, hey, I doubt your sincerity. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so what, what does that say then? Lord just needs a little more understanding? No, 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 that, that, that's not the case here. Um there is the line that uh, Sung has about basic emotion becoming tangled and twisted with ambition. And uh, I ask, isn't that always the case? I mean, we, we want emotion and we want ambition. And Star Trek so far has done this good job about pointing out where compassion is a key element in being the best humans that we can be. But that's sort of a given at this point, certainly, <laughs> when you're dealing with somebody who is a remorseless uh, sociopath like uh, like Laura is, so I don't know that the 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 messages in this case really um, are are you see Timmy moments. They're they're sort of well, they're tangled and twisted with what's going on in the episode. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. and uh, you you say something that I want to I want to be clear. I'm not mm-hmm. arguing against 
compassion, certainly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not arguing against uh, uh, forgiveness, certainly. Yeah. Uh, Garth of uh, Izar. Izar. Garth yeah. of Izar was in prison for a reason. Yeah. And I'm not saying we need to imprison Laura. I don't know what needs to be done, but something you know needs to be done. I mean, right. it, 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 Sung just saying, no, 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 you just don't understand him. I mean, Sung just struck me as a tragically goofy figure. Yeah, mm-hmm. Laura, Laura is worthy of our pity. Mm-hmm. But, well, I don't know if we show him that pity, though. <laughs> Maybe right, we feel right. it, but he's yeah. going to kill me if I, if I, if I go, <laughs> right. ah, come right. here, you. Let's just hug it. Oh, are you hugging a little too tight? Are you, uh, 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 that's yeah. it. You know, I mean, yeah. Laura's, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't want it to make it sound like even the even the family members that you have a problem with, maybe you go, I mean, yeah, you go ahead and still love them. And you go ahead and still take whatever you take from that whole thing. But it doesn't mean, you know, there seems to be just an utter acceptance that doesn't strike me as necessarily healthy. It goes back to what we talked about with Deanna and Loxana. Yeah. They need to not hang out. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, that, right, that right. did, uh, Deanna, well, if it were anything like, if they were writing that anything like a real uh, relationship, Deanna would just walk away from that damaged every single time. Yeah. Uh, talk, say hi, go ahead and love them, absolutely, but, you know, guard yourself at some point. Yeah. So, okay, that's a message that holds up. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, it's not the message that's here, but it's sort of the one that makes <laughs> me think of. Yeah, man. I, I sound like a heartless, heartless person here. I not, gotta, not not compared to Lore. No, that's true. That's yeah. true. Plus, I could always change my ways. He's programmed that way. Mm-hmm. Although maybe I am too. Oh, I'm going to do that thing. You tell them. I can't possibly. Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. You can find out more at roddenberry.com. Not just more about what Roddenberry is up to, but the Roddenberry Foundation. We've got a great shop and, of course, links back to missionlogpodcast.com. For more exciting Star Trek podcasts, please check out Trek FM. That's trek.fm. And for the latest Star Trek news and discussion, be sure to visit trekmovie.com. Next week, Suddenly Human. Some of the music for Mission Log provided by Warp 11, online at warp11.com, and from the album Messages by Key Theory, free to download at kitheory.com. From the animated series to this episode, practical jokers really get a bad rap in the Star Trek universe. And transmission. <laughs>